Hello and welcome back to the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast with your hosts, Mr. Laz Michaelides and Mr. Felipe Amarim. Felipe, how are you doing, man? Doing great, man. And you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very well. I'm a bit tired today. Do you know, just one of those days you're just a little tired. Things yeah. catch up to you. How about you? You must always be tired in Soho. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm always bustle. <laughs> playing six gigs a week and teaching all day. Yeah, so, there you go. What have I got to complain about? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not, com- I'm not complaining either. I just say it's it's a it's a hectic lifestyle here, but um, it's worth it. I like it. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Should we jump straight in as usual? We're going to jump straight in, but um, I want to start with a um, cup of tea. So just oh, there we go. That's the drink of the oh. <laughs> a cup of tea. There yeah. you go. If you can hear it, uh, I'm just. You know, it's just a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. we're doing video now, isn't it? That's it, yeah. yeah so the viewers yeah. can actually see that is a can of Stella Artois. Oh, crap. Can. Yeah, anyway. Who cares? Who they're cares? not sponsoring me yet, but if I show this, maybe I get some. Anyway. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, we're doing an album today, as usual. Uh, and the album we're doing is a bit different, this one. We're doing a live album. And the live album we're doing is Frampton Comes Alive by Peter Frampton. Now, it was released January 6th, 1976, but five weeks later in the UK, actually, which I thought was quite funny, recorded across uh, four American shows, I believe, at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, Long Island Arena, New York, and the SUNY Club in New York as well. Uh, They call it a rock genre album, and it lasts about 78 minutes long. Um, This is another album that you chose, Felipe, and I want to know why you chose this one well i chose for uh, one simple reason uh we haven't done a live album yet we did talk a lot about live performances we did a few uh episodes talking about you know how different it is when people play live and playing playing studio but we never actually uh talked about a whole live album and i thought well there's loads of interesting uh live material out there but this was kind of a like really, really important groundbreaking album and maybe the most uh, famous live album or definitely one of the best-selling live albums of all time. And it was released in 1976. So my favorite decade, the 70s. Um, the best. Yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't around. Uh, but yeah, he's, old, he's older than me, but he's not that old. Not that old. <laughs> that was like a good eight years before I was born now. Uh, but um, I think I think the, the historic importance of this album, I think it has to be mentioned. Also, the songs are great. And I think Peter Frampton is is one of those, you know, legendary guitar players who is more than a guitar player. Mm. He's a great composer, songwriter. Uh, and I think just like we did uh, uh, the episode about Fleetwood Mac, this is one of those albums where you basically have pop music performed by rock artists and i'm a big fan of pop music but this is a rock show isn't it we're here to talk about all things rock and roll but um sometimes the the lines between rock and pop are really blurred what do you think yeah no i agree i mean in the album i can hear lots of stuff really i mean i thought actually had quite a progressive element to it you know not progressive you know two weeks ago we spoke about dream theater i'm not talking about that kind of progressive it's not like time signature changes everywhere but you've got things like key changes you've got uh unusual atmospheric and uh yeah effecty effects on the guitars just to, to pull you into an atmosphere more than like being 
just loose rock and roll where the guitars are loud and distorted there's more care has been taken with the tone of the instrument i think um so yeah in that sense it was a bit progressive but yeah pop music uh done in a rock setting right yeah exactly so if again it's one of those songs if you play you know uh any of those songs on acoustic guitar and just sing on top of it they sound like any radio friendly pop songs not, mm. not like any they sound like some of the best radio friendly yeah. kind of pop songs um but the way it's arranged and played makes it rock music for me mm. you know? yeah no i agree um i think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do the same thing we did with the dream theater album which is because it's such a long album to go song by song, I think it's going to be too long and there's going to be too much to say. And there are similar aspects in the songs. So we've broken this down into several categories. And the first one I want to talk about, uh, let's go with what you were saying, which is the songwriting. And the thing that I want to pick up from straight away is the accessibility of the album and the appeal of music to a wider audience. Because you are right in saying that this is one of the most famous live albums ever. And I have no problem admitting that I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of a song off it. And I'd heard Peter Frampton in name, but that's it. Didn't know what he looked like. Didn't know he was a guitarist. This is this, So this is completely new to me. Everything about this album is new to me. Um, but to hear that it's like one of the best-selling live albums of all time, I thought, how can that be? That I, like, you know, not that I know, not that I'm the be-all and end-all of music knowledge and everything. But I thought, how can you know? Everyone's heard of uh, "Thriller" by Michael Jackson, you know. But I, I just I found it odd that I I didn't know this one. And what I found was that each and every song was so easy to listen to, so easy to sway your head your head to, you know, like you can imagine getting the lighters out on some of the songs. For the rocky ones, it was nice to sort of, you know, a couple of driving songs where you just bang your head. Very easy to listen to. Um, pleasant melodies, agreeable progressions, not overly long songs. I mean, some of them are a bit um, a bit extended, but not, not stupidly. Uh, and I think this you can tell this from the success of the album that it spent so long on the Billboard charts. There is music for everyone in there. Yeah, there is. And, and, and the singles are great. They've, they've made the perfect choices for singles, isn't it? Just, uh, just making sure I'm not, I'm not talking shit here. Yeah, it was "Show Me the Way," "Baby I Love Your Way," and "Do You Feel Like We Do." Those are the three singles. Two of them are really short songs. The first two, and "Do You Feel Like We Do," is fourteen minutes long. But the 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 single edit version of it is like seven minutes and forty something seconds. Okay. Still longer than "Hey Jude" by the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a really, really long one, but it's a it's a great live performance is, is where you can hear the band. Everyone takes a little bit of uh, uh, improvisation in there and uh, you, you can hear how good they are as a band and as individual musicians. Mm. And you have all the atmosphere from the 70s, isn't it? It's, it's a bit psychedelic and it's not uh, it's not so predictable as as, you know, a pop album would be. So that's the, yeah. the rock side of it. And um yeah, I believe in terms of, of songwriting, I, I agree with you. I, lo I love that you said agreeable chord progressions. It's a really good word. Well, I it's, come it's, from... like it's that, it, it doesn't shock you, is it? There's never that chord. They think, well, why is that chord there? <laughs> exactly. And I, you know? I come from a heavy metal background where, yeah. you know, the, the whole invention of heavy metal came from two notes by Black Sabbath that are completely disagreeable. So I thought <laughs> agreeable is a good word to describe <laughs> anything that's not normal metal. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's everything's pleasant. There's not, as you said, there's not a moment in the in the album 
where e e even let's get away from like you know notes that sound heavy metally let's talk about disagreeableness in terms of jazz where yeah. sometimes you know as you and me know we've played in jazz bands together the whole point of jazz is ten is tension and release you create the tension by playing chords that don't necessarily work together or you play one note over a chord that creates a little bit of tension and then how do you do that you release the chord you release the tension by resolving one of the notes or something and there wasn't even that in the album yet no. it doesn't get boring you know exactly. I, I think when, you know you i think when you when you hear some stuff I, what was it i think it was we're an american band where i said uh, one of the songs, the guitar is purposely playing something really dissonant and it just works as a nice little contrast and a nice little balance to all the nice rock music we've been hearing. Yeah. And that kind of tells you how they're structuring the album. But to have nothing in a live album, not even not even like a jazz solo jam where they said everyone just we're going to do five minutes, everyone takes a one minute solo, play whatever you want, but show off. That's normally the part where audiences can be like, all right, let's just take a chill a minute. Oh, you're going to play some avant-garde stuff. All right, give it to me then. Nothing. And when, when, when I think yeah. about Frampton as a guitar player, I, I would probably guess that he sees himself more as a songwriter. Because um, we said the same about Mark Knopfler when we were talking about Broads and Arms. We did. It takes like you know, half of the album for the first guitar solo to actually happen <laughs> yeah. in the album. And this, we... He's, he he takes a solo in every song, but it's more riff based. It's more interested in creating melodies with the guitar and riffs, mm. and uh, uh, you can hear that in pretty much every song. But it takes it takes a while for him to take a long solo. Most of the solos are short. It's mm. kind of interesting. I think the the first one, uh, yeah, I want to go to the sun. That's uh that's the first kind of long solo in the album. Not really, but the yeah. song is really groovy. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like guitar wanking. It never sounds like that. Oh know? no, very yeah. far from that. Very far yeah. from you, that. It's tasteful. Very, it's tasteful. very yeah. tasteful. Because yeah, his influences were quite diverse, like from you know, Beatles and, and Hendrix and Buddy Holly. So he wasn't a guy who was only interested in in, in, in playing the guitar. He 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 wanted to create melodies, and I think this is this is a big part of his music. Mm. Uh, and there's there's one of my favorite songs is Penny for Your Thoughts. It's it's like a minute and twenty three seconds or something like that. The shortest song in the album. Yeah. So my two favorites are the shortest and the longest so song in the album. It's Penny for Your Thoughts and and Do You Feel Like We Do, which is yes. fourteen minutes long. So Penny for Your Thoughts, the the classical guitar piece, pretty mm. much. No, so that's him saying, okay, you know, I'm a guitar player. I can do some stuff, and mm. that's that's classical composition really and then you have uh baby i love your way which is totally like radio friendly pop song with catchy chorus is, is that his song yeah i think he, uh, yeah i think he wrote that that's a good yeah, question that's a song i've heard before hmm? yeah that, that's a song i've heard before you know you hear that song on the radio oh no yeah yeah that's yeah he he wrote that song do you know yeah, what i'll double check that uh, if he wrote with someone else but i'm pretty sure it's, yeah, it doesn't sound like one of those songs that a rock musician comes up with on his own. Well, is it? <laughs> yeah, he might. Yeah, he might have a, a, a <laughs> he might have a co-writer for that yeah. one. Good, good but, to um, double check. Google, Google sh should know. No, it is written by him and released initially in 1975 as a single. He had four albums before the live album. That's that's the other interesting thing about this album. Is I think the first time. Uh, 
a musician became famous for their live album rather than the studio albums. Oh. But probably, you know, Made in Japan by Deep Purple was really big, but they they already released they, uh, Machine, uh, Head. Machine yeah. Head by the time. So you can't really claim uh, uh, that the album actually made their career. So uh -huh. in this case, Frampton had four albums. He didn't have hits, like to the point he was internationally well-known. And uh, it's like his career wasn't going anywhere until this album. And, and then, and then, boom, you know, 8 million well, copies sold in the US alone. Yeah. Let, let's talk then about the hits because... Um, Another big aspect of this album is the set list and the song choice because yeah. it's been renowned and lauded uh, by critics and fans that this was one of the fantastic things. So let's we'll, we'll do a checklist, right? The accessibility. Each yeah. so there is something for everyone on the album, and each song you could class as easy listening rock. Yeah. Fair. Next up, we've got the set list. Fans and critics have praised this because it is a, a a hit machine. The set list, again, I don't know Frampton, so I can't comment on this, but the set list is apparently everything Frampton's fans could have wanted. He's literally picked the three best songs from each of his four albums and put them in a set list. Now, that in itself, when audience... No fillers. No fillers. No fillers. When audiences get performances of songs they like and songs they know to be of quality then it's almost like it takes the show up 10 percent on its own isn't it just getting the right set list yeah exactly uh, i think uh, and, and also for it for a live concert you want to keep people interested from start to finish mm -hmm. and and the obvious choice would be to play your hits but you know musicians sometimes they just want to sell uh, the next album you will make the artistic choice you know i, I like the song because you know i wrote the song for my mom whatever if people don't want to hear it it is <laughs> not good for the gig and and again uh, i think if you if you have never listened to any of his songs and you turned up for the gig you would love it that's i think that's yeah. how good the whole thing is yeah. and there's no uh even even when they take long solos i think in the live context it works there's that i think there's nothing in the album that is there for the sake of going off or 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 for, for the sake artistic. of yeah for the sake of artistic ego it's not there yes is it? no there's a, yeah, Feels it's a like it's, free it's, album for sure in my opinion and it's it's what makes it big it's what makes it, as you said accessible so if, if you're not rock fan you can listen to it and if you uh if you are a rock fan but you don't dislike pop music completely. There's no way you're gonna dislike this album, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, and there's no way you're not gonna, you know, uh, uh, end up singing along after you hear the chorus for the first time because then you just learn the lyrics. It's one of those things like "Show Me the Way" and "Baby I Love Your Way." Those songs, when you listen to them for the first time, you are going to sing along with the second chorus. When it comes, it's yeah. As, yeah, it's as you're right. It's yep. simple as that. You can learn the melody and the lyrics straight away the first time you listen to them. I've listened to those songs on the radio for like a long time, but um, they they've played a million times on the radio uh, back in yeah. Brazil. So, but I only knew those two songs until I got into the album and and until I started listening to to the other thing he did, other things he did. He also worked uh, uh, as um, uh, um, a composer for for soundtracks. He did you know almost famous so. The songs by that what that, oh, that fake band, you know that, that band. He he is the songwriter. Wow! He wrote I every. I think he wrote every single song. What's the name of the band? Is it Still Water or something like that? We I've only watched it once, and that was with you. Yeah. And 
told yeah, you. Yeah, it's a great movie. But <laughs> so Frampton was a songwriter, so basically he 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 probably was told to write in the style of Led Zeppelin, yeah, or the Who and those guys, and he yeah, did yeah. an amazing job writing those songs. That so yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. So so the other thing, well, you mentioned like the set list. I want to say something that I found when I when I listened to this carefully. There's no actual fast songs. Mm-hmm. They're not too Great slow. Point. There's a certain pace throughout the whole album. Never gets too fast. And never goes never, too slow Never either. stays too slow for too long. <laughs> no. So that's a really interesting thing. So uh, uh, That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. One one thing that really surprised me, something's happening, the first song, something's happening. Yeah. It's just an uplifting rock and roll song, cheesy backing vocals, you know, kind of catchy chorus. And the, the guitar solo is short and melodic, classic Frampton style. But it's not an explosive opening song, isn't it? No, it isn't. And I actually thought that as well. Um, that's 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 a yeah. uh, like I don't know if I would start to give you a song that is not really like loud and fast and straight to the chorus. That's not a predictable song to to open a, a gig. But I think it, it just works, doesn't it? Can I tell? Yeah, I wanted to tell you what I thought of the um, uh, of comparisons, um, and actually. Maybe we can take this on to the next section. Um, well, so yeah, appeal and accessibility, set list, and the next point is the timing. Mm-hmm. So in the mid seventies, we had a plethora of live albums coming from your favorite rock bands, didn't we? You know, yeah. Zeppelin, Ratit, Thin Lizzy, Kiss. Those are just some to name to name, but a few. Deep Purple. Um, but one album that I felt this most compares to. And I, I think, I wonder if you'll agree with me here, and it's because of the reasons you've said, which is that it doesn't really feel like they've gone, okay, we're going to we're gonna put this song here to get a tremendous amount of energy. It just feels like they have done the set list the way they want, showcasing their favourite songs. Yeah. I felt this set, this album, was very much like um, Simon and Garfunkel in Central Park? Central Park, yeah. That yeah. one. You know how they just also have, you know, they've got some songs that are a bit more up tempo, but they just have this general uh, speed, don't they? Where it's just, yeah. you know, you, I, can't, a pace. I can't describe There's it. A pace, you know what I mean? a pace yeah. yeah. And I feel that this is what they got here as well with Peter Frampton, because I was expecting when you said, when I read that it's rock's biggest selling live album, I'm thinking, right, let's hit play. And I'm waiting for like an onslaught of speed, soloing, if if not sort of showing off stuff. If it was still poppy, I'd expect it to be fast. Yeah. None of that. None of that. But it didn't disappoint because then it takes you to the next song, which is like a kind of funky, the doobie wah, isn't it? Or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, brilliant man. And um, yeah, Doobie yeah. was yeah, it's a it's a funk song, and it's like that that funky guitar all the way. But again, it's not like James Brown funk. It's not fast. No, 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 no. There's that pace. Well, it's just I think it just creates an atmosphere that lasts for the whole album, and it's just mm-hmm. uh, uh, it feels like it might might have been one of the most pleasant experiences in the seventies to go to a Peter Frampton gig yeah. and just enjoy that vibe all the way through the end, uh, yeah. for the show to the end. So so basically, uh, um. Yeah, and as you mentioned that song, Doobie Wah, there's a there's a line in the lyrics that I really like. Do what everybody says is wrong. So basically, you know, think about this. Roll. Do what everybody says is wrong. It's rock and roll. And it's a funky song, but that's the rock and rollness of the lyrics. Like, don't you don't need to be like everyone else. We keep talking yeah. about how this comes up in rock 
uh, lyrics all the time, this sort of subject. Don't do what people expect you to do. And um, yeah, super cool. I like I love that song. That so so again, this the the, the gig starts with something's happening not too fast. Dubiwa, a light kind of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, not so fast funk, and then you have Show Me the Way with the talk box, which is a phenomenal pedal that creates the most amazing guitar effect. Yeah, and I love and that. it's a pop song, and everyone knows the chorus. That's brilliant. It's a brilliant <laughs> way to start a gig. There's another thing. So again, about about this this pace of the gig. After like four songs, yeah. After four songs, they go into an acoustic set, uh, section of, of of the set. So he yeah. plays one song on its own. Uh, I think two, two songs. songs, yeah, two yeah. songs on its own. So it's all, uh, I, want all I want to be is by your change. side and wind of change, yeah. And then the band joins him again for "Baby I Love Your Way," and that's another another massive hit. But then you have that mix. See how how interesting it is, like band and then solo acoustic and then acoustic with the band because they join mm -hmm. him but he's still playing acoustic guitar for that song so textures so, textures yeah. they're going for it, it a lot takes, yeah it takes you yeah exactly eliminates layers of instruments and then brings them back in i because i feel you've always said so, something along the lines of it's a it's a good song if you take away all the extras and just have an acoustic guitar and a piano yeah. uh, acoustic guitar and the vocals and if the song works like that then you can put anything else you want on top and it will still be good. It's kind of like that here, isn't it? It would be like that for every song, but then he actually does it. He plays yeah. a couple of songs with no other instruments, yeah, uh, just acoustic guitar, and that is and that's I think where where he shows how how good his vocals are because you mm -hmm. know everyone talks about Peter Frampton well, the guitar player. His his vocal technique is super good, super cool, and it's like he's not uh, uh, he's not overdoing like most modern pop singers do. It's very natural. Just whatever, yeah, very natural. Yeah. He goes to the high pitched notes when they are necessary to the song, I guess. Or, well, then let's let's move on to my one of my next points, which is the musicianship. Yeah, uh, brilliant. I mean, I just thought that that band, without in without showing off in any way, sounded so tight. And so together, uh, they went from, I just feel that they, they had the interchangeability to go from performing like a very, um, a very easygoing rock and roll tune to then uh, something way more disciplined. And I mentioned the word prog and I don't mean it as like Genesis or Emerson, Lake and Palmer, but there are some sections of this album and some sections in certain songs which require discipline, require the band yeah. to be really tight with each other because Peter Frampton's soloing over a certain chord progression. You've got to make sure you match those chords when he moves. You know, you can't just yeah. sort of mess. It's not a three chord song, like a, you know, rock and roll song or something. And the way they just switched from being like a really loose band to then suddenly really, suddenly really tight in the next song. What a band. Yeah. And and just, just to credit them, actually, uh, I've yeah. got the names of them. So obviously you've got Peter Frampton on vocals and lead guitar. Bob Mayo on rhythm guitar, piano, electric piano, Hammond organ, and backing vocals. Stanley Sheldon on bass and backing vocals, and John Siomos on drums and percussion. And I mean, the band sound bigger. The yeah. band sound bigger than four men, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and and this I feel is it the feels classic, like a six-piece band. For me, this is the classic seventies lineup, which is normally a four or five-piece. Five piece when you have a solo singer, the yeah. guy who's not actually playing an instrument, just yeah, so singing. Two guitars, but, bass, drums, vocals. Well, in this case, guitar, 
keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, it, it's it's the classic. You either have two guitars or guitar and keyboards. And uh, well, talking about keyboards, uh, um, when you when you have when the band comes back and they play "Baby I Love It Way," it's where it's where the keyboards actually take the lead, and yeah. they you know play the the keyboard sounds louder in the mix, and it plays the riff and 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 it plays a solo. So it's a so you see how how he's using the musicians and the the exact part of the song that they are most needed. And yeah. I think this is this is one of the, the best features of the album. It's like, yeah, everyone can play really well. No one is overplaying at any point. And when they need to take the lead and do something, um, you know, you see how, how good they are. So again, it's it's a live album that sounds like a live album. One thing that most people don't understand is nowadays, uh, I would say that 99% of live albums are fake. And uh, yeah, it's hold on before you go there, let because I know where you're going, and this is just going to go into my next point mm -hmm. production. So, go on, take production. it away. Production, okay, again, go yeah. So, in terms of production, I'll, I'll tell you what I actually thought when I first started listening to this again, like uh, um, this week, not, not when I listened to it for, for the first time, when I started listening to it again, I wasn't really happy with the sound quality of the album. Sounds a bit, you know, it's it, you, you can't quite hear every instrument there's a bit echoey i don't know it's proper live recording i found that the you know that was uh that was the issue uh but you get used to it after two songs in my opinion so just get used to the fact that it's not as crystal clear as a studio recording well oh so, so wait you're comparing it to a studio to studio recordings in oh general, i see right? Because yeah, I so when you hear it, it's a, yeah. it's a great yeah, it's a great sounding album, but you can clearly tell it's a live album. Okay. So when you, when yeah, you're recording stuff, is, yeah, let's say let's say you're playing bass in a live gig, and and your bass is slightly distorted for well maybe maybe the 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 bass amp wasn't set up properly, maybe the microphone is in the wrong position, maybe the cable has an issue, whatever. If your bass sounds slightly distorted, that's how it's going to come out on the album. There's not mm -hmm. much you can do to fix when you're capturing the sound and it's and there's some 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 issues with that. Nowadays, people just go and, and fix it by re-recording the whole thing. So yeah. they re-record the bass. So most live albums you have now, the vocals are not live. Maybe the drums are going to be, but you know the guitar solos are all overdubbed, so you don't even know. There, there, there. I think they did some overdubs in this album, but uh, Frampton said they only overdubbed, like uh, I think it was one of the talk box parts that they uh, missed the, the the tape or the recording. Something went wrong and they didn't have uh, um, the actual recording. So it was necessary. It. Hmm? So it was necessary. Yeah, it was necessary. The song wouldn't have been complete without overdubbing it. Exactly. But just when you have something that really failed and like a, the kick microphone was like uh, uh, pointing to the wrong direction because someone hit it or whatever. So yeah. they had a few issues that they had to fix, but not like That's most bad. people do, just like re-record everything. So the vocals are 100% live. The guitar I, that, solos are 100% yeah. live. That's what I love, especially about um, Deep Purple's Made in Japan, is that you can hear when Richie Blackmore fucks up, and I love mm -hmm. it. I love it that there's one of them where he's on the, the highway star solo and he's going and he goes yeah. I just love it every time that part yeah. comes I love it because it's raw it's authentic that's how it happened on the night and to, why, yeah, and to give credit to, to Frampton yeah. he didn't fuck up with 
in his solo <laughs> no, but then again none are as fast as highway stars so we oh yeah exactly yeah yeah um, <laughs> but... <laughs> that's true but that's it yeah it's 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 you know they sound really tight that you know the tempos uh they're not playing to a click track as most people do nowadays as well so the, the mm. tempos are solid the band is tight and they really good with dynamics they like again i'm going to mention the last song uh um uh do you feel like we do because they go down like by a lot and, yeah. and then bring it up again and it's and it's a, it's a great ending but in terms of production i think they made the right choices of number one not adding musicians yeah that's a four-piece band you know most solo artists they have maybe a 10-piece band live they can have as many musicians as they want you know and and reproduce every single uh, layer that you've done in studio every track you're recording studio you can go and do it live if there's four guitars you can have two three guitar players on stage and pick the main lines and play all of them or most yeah. of them whilst when you have just him as a guitar player uh he has to actually play the solos perfectly and go back to the riff perfectly mm. and i think yeah i think it was the right choice for production which is stick to a four-piece band playing live and not extending the songs too much apart from a couple of songs. And then the, the last song, you know, had to be extended just to get the audience going and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, with regards to the production, I completely agree. Excellent production value. I think it still sounds good. You know, if, if I got a live recording from a band I'd went to see last week that sounded that good, I'd still be happy. Um, I think each the 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 sound is the 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 sound is so fantastically balanced that you still capture the audience and the energy and the atmosphere, but without um sacrificing quality of the audio and with that we'll go on to the next point i have which is about the audience interaction oh yeah you can hear the hand claps it's such a big part you can hear everything this is what i'm saying about that production you can hear when one woman screams in the middle of a song a good scream yeah. not like a fatal scream like when she screams when her favorite chorus and you can hear that on its own yeah. and yet at the end of the song you get all the claps coming in and i don't know man it's just that the audience it looked, it felt like I felt happy for them that they were there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. you get, sometimes you get gigs where you like, you might even have a hint of jealousy where you're like, Oh, fucking hell, I wish I was, a, Oh, this, this sounds so good tonight. Deep purple. I wish I was there back in 78 or whatever. Yeah. And other times you might, you might be like, um, I don't know if, if the sound wasn't good, you might say, oh, I'm glad I wasn't at that one, but, this one i was just so happy i was like oh those bastards they must have had a great evening and i just have to say quickly i i like this album as a live album and as what i got delivered if i paid uh 10 pounds for a cd and i just wanted some good easy listening rock music in a live scenario but it's not my favorite ever music i don't know if i'd go and listen to the songs individually yet still I come away from it thinking, oh, I'd love to have been there that night just to have seen how so it went that's, that's what a good gig should be. Like, exactly. please your fans and stay connected with every person who is there, even if they're not familiar with all your material. So yeah. that's like, uh, think about it. He had four albums, which is like a really good catalog so, so far. And yeah. by, the breakthrough album was a live one. That is, that, this is insane. I don't think it has happened before this one. You know, maybe, maybe he's one of those artists that his live performances are really special and they're better than any studio album he could possibly mm. uh, make. It's still his best-selling album and probably the best. And um, 
And yeah, I agree with you that the connection with the audience is amazing. I love that point in every song when people recognize a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can hear people just like clapping because they know oh, this. This is my favorite song. Or I know, I know what's gonna happen now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the uh, yeah. So I, I, if you if you check any footage of Frampton playing live with any, uh, um, at like, you can you can find something more recent or something he did in 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 seventies, eighties, or nineties, whatever. Uh, everything it does live, it does with pleasure, and you can see the he he loves interacting with the audience, and, mm. and it's always a great gig. Yeah, talking to them, letting them finish the phrases. You know, there's I don't know what song it is, but there's one where he literally he says the line, and you can just hear, hear in his voice he steps away from the microphone as if to say to the audience, "Go on, you do it." And that's just that that's the next thing that makes a fantastic gig, isn't it? Is that just, just being acknowledged. I mean, there are moments, you know, I went to see um a band, a metal band called Mastodon, who are one of my favorite bands, but their whole thing is get on, play as many songs as we can, and go away. There's that that I don't want to say it in case I make them sound like dicks, but I don't remember them saying, Thanks for coming tonight, you know, great to see you here, so many of you. We're Mastodon from America. None of that, just song after song. Thank you. Next song. Yeah. Next song. Next song. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's it. You know, some, yeah. but then again, I think that, that comes more with heavy metal. You're playing a character. You've got to be dark and dreary. But he welcomed the fans with open arms and said, listen, this is an evening for all of us. Come and get involved. It's like you're having a party at your flat, isn't it? And someone brings a guitar, but they are actually good. Because yeah. <laughs> every time that happens, the guy who brings the guitar can't fucking play. <laughs> <laughs> he wants someone else to play, though. Exactly. Um, do you know what? In terms of my, um, in terms of my points, I'm done. I, I didn't really. I, I felt so. Just to recap, I felt that these were the key factors of what yeah. for me what made this album so good: the exceptional musical performances, the set list. Uh, the audience interaction, the quality of production and the sound, the era and the, the the year it came out, and the accessibility and the appeal that it had to wider audiences. I mean, pr pretty, I kind of made all my points with only you know, half an hour gone, but I still feel <laughs> that these are the keys yeah. to any oh. live album. And I wonder if, you know, all these other live albums, I think of, you know, what else came out? The song remains the same. Now, what the song remains the same did did have is it had a bit of a looser feel to it it was a bit jammy in places it's zeppelin we know this but it sat for that reason it sacrificed some quality robert yeah. plant's vocals aren't all fantastic in song remains yeah. the same jimmy page's guitar playing isn't all fantastic and whilst they're still exceptional musicians in that scenario so maybe you could argue that well, if the song remains the same the performance is lacking compared to the others if, i just feel this has everything if all you compare made. maybe what you're doing there is like if you compare um some of those zeppelin uh live versions to the studio ones uh that is not a you know there's no way those some of those live versions would win in a competition against the studio ones because yeah. all those imperfections yeah. although a live album has to have imperfections otherwise it's just like studio yeah uh, i think the difference between if you're comparing those two albums the, the <coughs> difference for me between the song remains the same and frampton comes alive is the song remains the same happened before the air or after the airplane what do i mean by that they had an airplane so they had nothing to prove anymore when your band right. owns an airplane okay. so all they were doing <laughs> is to get getting 
completely smashed and go on stage thinking we're, we're rock gods, we don't give a fuck. That's whilst, a good point. Yeah, whilst yeah. Frampton was like, okay, I've released four albums. I'm still not as famous as I deserve to be. The next one has to be the best one. I've got something happened to, to be live. Yeah. And maybe then he realized that he could do on stage something that could never be uh, reproduced in studio, I guess. I wonder if he... Um... It's usually the other way around, isn't it? What you do in studio, you can't do it live. What yeah. he did live could never be done in studio. I wonder if he... Because, you know, we think about bands nowadays like Metallica will go and record every show they do and then they can sell it to the fans the next week. That sort of technology I don't think was around in the 70s, unless no. unless you know I'm wrong or something. But I, I wonder if he... Just from being on stage with this band night after night, I wonder if he didn't plan to have a live album, but just went, do you know what, this band, this is kicking ass. Yeah. Uh, let's, do you know what, when, when we go back to America in a month to do these last 10 dates, let's record it. Because this yeah. sounds good. My songs have never sounded this good. And yeah, I wonder maybe if that could have been the case. I, I don't know. That's something I never read about. Uh, it might have been the case. I mean, yeah. it's, the thing is, they clearly having fun and the audience is having a good time with them. And it, it, it's, like, it's just like, a, uh, okay. To be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think when you listen to the album start to finish, you feel like you're there as part of the yeah. gig. It's a yeah. long album. It's like, is it an hour and 17 minutes or something? 78 minutes. So yeah, an hour, yeah, per, yeah, an hour and an hour 18. 18 minutes or something. So, uh, but when I listened to it start to finish, it didn't feel like that. No, it Because didn't. you have some long songs and some short songs. Well, there's one cover song, right? There's uh, the Rolling Stones Jumping Jack Flash. Yes. Uh, and what, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't dare to do that version, right? Uh, <laughs> it's funky and, it, and there's a half tempo vibe on the groove, uh, you know, in many parts. So it sounds like it's half of the speed. So, but it's not, not real, it's just interpretation. Well, and it's, yeah. it's so cool and it's so different. And he changes the melody for the chorus. Well, that's this is the thing. I didn't <laughs> realize it was Jumping Jack Flash until about halfway through <laughs> the song. And he goes, because he, he completely changes it, doesn't he? Because the song, it's all right. He goes, I don't know, I'm not going to try and do it, but he completely changes it. And then halfway through the song, he goes, I'm jumping Jack Flash. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. it's a cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that song. It takes Even you by the surprise. riff sounds a bit different. He made it his own. Uh you might not like it if you compare it to the original. I like both of them. I can't I don't, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. And and this song, they have like kind of a drum break and a jam session in the middle. That's yeah. classic 70s rock. That yeah. freedom of 70s rock. Yeah, let's, let's just have a <laughs> kind of a drum break and then everyone takes a solo or whatever. And that's super cool. I really, really yeah. like it. Do you have a favorite song? Um, I really liked Lines on My Face. And I, and I just have to say that I'd never, I didn't listen to this album intently and go, okay, make a note. This yeah. track, track nine is my favorite. Yeah. I, just kept, I, I listened to the album three times this week and I let it flow. Yeah. I didn't even look, oh, the song's Because that's the effect the album causes on you. It, may, exactly. it just flows. You can't you stop. You don't really care about... can't stop and take notes about that. It's just listen no. to it. And, and, and it, what sometimes what happens, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll honestly admit with bands like Dream Theater, I got to like song seven and I was like, right, how long is that? Oh, another four songs. Right. Well, I'm just going to go and top my water up or something with this. I didn't care. Just sat back, eyes closed, just took it all in. But yeah, I answered your question. Lines on my face was nice. Yeah. Um, I really like the most bluesy, you know. Huh? Well, you say that, but I tell you, do you know what? 
I heard various soul elements in this album as well. Just some of the the way, again, as I was saying, with the production of the instruments, some of the effects he had on his guitar sounded really good and made the song what it seems. Yeah. So Lines on My Face and Baby I Love Your Way, I thought were very solely. And something I want to add about Baby I Love Your Way, and this might be complete, maybe everyone disagrees with me. I thought he sounded like Bob Marley. Oh, wow. That is... Can you I would, I would have to listen to it again to Please actually do. find where that connection is. It's perfect. just, it, it's not even, it's, it's not like he's singing with a Jamaican accent, but uh, he's, it's the way he delivers it. It's kind of like he's talking to you. Um, and I just think, I'm trying to think of the song. Emancipate yourself from... That's Bob Marley. And he's just trying, he's just delivering you his message. Yeah. And I love that you could sort of take that same thing with Baby I Love Your Way. So, yeah, yeah if, you, if you're if you listening and watching now, go and listen to um, Baby I Love Your Way and see if you can hear what I'm saying. And okay. if, if you're going to let us know in the comments, let us know if you agree with me or not. And you've got to message me after, Felipe. Right? It? What you think? All right. <laughs> okay, I, I will. I, I have to listen. No, you say that happens in, in, in Lines on My Face or Baby I Love Your Way? Baby I Love Your Way. Okay. But both of them I find kind of solely. Yeah. They just had okay. this kind of atmosphere to them. That I thought was really yeah. Good. There's 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 another thing I want to say about the album, which is it's one of the um, he made an effect pedal become a part of the band, right? The talk box, and he uses it, it in the last song as well, doesn't he? He uses it in two songs. The last one, do do you feel like we do, yeah. and show me the way. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. So the talk box is such an interesting device, and I, th you know. It came about like decades before this, but I think Frampton was the guy who made it popular, and and you know, and then Bon Jovi used it, and David Gilmour used it. Not not Bon Jovi, but his, his guitar player used yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, uh, Rich Sambora is it, and um, and David Gilmour from Pink Floyd used it as well. So you know, it, it became a thing, you know. But the talk box, it, if you're not familiar with, if you ever seen a guitar play with like this. Uh, uh, tube going to his mouth that's a talk box it's, it's usually attached to the microphone basically it sends the instrument sound into your mouth and if the way you 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 move your mouth you change the sound you, you reshape the sound of the guitar and mm. feed it back into the microphone Crazy, so basically what comes out of it is i you gotta check like videos and stuff about it because it's it's kind of really hard to explain exactly how it works but basically it's a mix of the guitar and the voice or it literally makes the guitar speak makes yeah. the guitar talk it's so cool i mean and, and he uses it again never in a self-indulgent kind of way mm. it's just it makes the guitar speak to the audience but it's, it's a complete shock when it first comes in song three and then he brings it back for the last song um, which i thought was really good my opinion uh, is a lot better than a wah wah pedal and les annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh brilliant um do, do you have anything else to add bro because like i said i've made my points i'm I, I, just, I just thought yeah go on go on i would just say listen to it you know grab a beer call your friends yeah Get the speed album instead of watching a movie, just take a day to listen to the album start to finish. Do you know? Um, was there an accompanying uh, company? Uh, a was there an accompanying video 
that came with it, like a DVD, do you know? Good question. Not at the time. There was no DVDs at the time, but I don't think it came you know out I mean, as VHS. VHS yeah. <laughs> I don't think it came out as VHS. There is a, I think he has a live in Detroit, which is like uh, way more recent than that one, okay. which was the first DVD I watched um, from Peter Frampton. I'm not quite sure, but I don't think there's live footage from those specific gigs. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, do you want to tell us what you, why you think this album is so rock and roll? Uh, the freedom of rock and roll, I think, is is in the way they play those songs. They're never intending to be pop or rock or anything. They just want to play good songs. And the music is bigger than the musicians. For me, that's, uh, that is, you know, uh, although rock and roll has a lot of ego, I don't think there's any ego in this, in, in this album, but Maybe what makes it rock and roll is the fact that they can play a one minute and 23 uh, um, classical guitar song, and then they can play a 14 minute rock song with everyone taking a solo. And I think the uh, the diversity of the album is what makes it a rock album. You can't call a pop album if you have a 14 minute song and an instrumental <laughs> classical guitar song, Yeah. right? You know, so rock music is that you can write a pop song, you can have an instrumental, you can have a long song, you can have a bluesy guitar solo. And when you don't know uh, what name to give to a certain kind of music, you just call it rock. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose as long as there's a guitar and a drum kit, I think you can call it rock, can't you? Well, Emerson Lake and Palmer doesn't have a guitar. They, well, they go, <laughs> touche, sir, touche. <laughs> if um, you don't know how to name this style, just me, call yeah. it rock. Just call it rock, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, excellent, you ready for my monologue? Yes. Sure, let's go. So let's end the show with uh, Laz's more normal monologue. So, <clears throat> Frampton Comes Alive combines and perfectly executes all the things we love about live music, live gigs, and live albums. The performances from the individual musicians are fantastic and at the click of a drumstick they can switch from loose rock and roll straight to disciplined prog rock. Frampton's guitar work is sublime and each solo flows beautifully displaying his technique and, and skill but still flourishing with lovely melodies, motifs and passages. The production value of the album is unbelievable, achieving such a solid sound with a brilliant mix whilst keeping the energy and atmosphere of the gig is a great productional achievement. In an era where live shows and albums were thriving, it was important for this to stand out, and although most people might not go straight to the production for reasons why it is successful, it's certainly a key element. Not knowing much at all about Peter Frampton, I can't speak to the setlist and the song choices, but the setlist is renowned for containing all of the best songs that Frampton fans could want, while still keeping it accessible and appealing enough for non-fans to enjoy as well. The sheer variety of styles in the album keeps the listener so entertained, going from a bluesy jam to a hard rock, almost metal riff in one of the songs, to some easy listening soul ensures that everyone who went to the concert had something to enjoy. You can tell this from the way he really acts and interacts with the audience, seeing the words back to him and finishing off phrases. I can't say that there was any moment where I said, wow, this is the best live solo song moment I've ever heard, but the amalgamation and culmination of everything we mentioned in this episode and in my paragraphs above only solidifies the notion that this is one of the greatest live albums of all times. I can't argue with that. I went from not knowing anything about Peter Frampton to wildly fist pumping one hour later during the outro of Lions on My Face. 
That to me says all I need to know about the quality, accessibility and nostalgic value this incredible album carries with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything we love about gigs, isn't it? Isn't it everything we love about gigs was done really well on this album? I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, man. Yeah. What an album. What an album. Uh, excellent. Right. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for another Long Live Rock and Roll podcast episode. Um, as usual, follow Felipe's advice. Go and listen to it. Um, and if you haven't done already, please go and subscribe to our social media channels. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Give us a like, comment, subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please give us a review. Uh, the tiniest 30 seconds of your time to type something out and give us a five-star review can make the world of difference to us because we might shoot up the algorithms. And the next time someone searches Fram looking for some music we might come up so uh, we'd really appreciate that guys just give us a quick like and subscribe not a lot of time on your behalf but it would mean the world to us and if you guys oh, jumped in go on if you think we're worth four and a half stars just round it up you know yeah yeah just yeah that's it perfect but anyway guys yeah thank you for joining us uh keep on rocking everyone and as usual take care and long live rock and roll <laughs>